Hey Chili's, I hope you're having a great week. As per usual, I'm having a wonderful week. I am just so excited for fall. I'm getting everything together. I have a billion plans. Speaking of plans, if you're in Philly or near Philly, we are doing Ghosted at City Winery on October 7th. Uh, that link is in my bio on my Instagram at Meg Gets Money. Um, but other than that, I have a full schedule of things to release for you. We're doing, you know, obviously the podcast, but then we're going to have games. We're going to have cute little videos on the Instagram at Real Chills Podcast. So definitely check that out. Uh, in the meantime, we have a really interesting episode. We had a law student come on to the show and talk about some fun, spooky things. Um, so let's get right into it. Here's our guest, Ryan Rowe. Real chills with Meg Gets. Real scary, real silly, real stories. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Real Chills. I'm so excited for our guest. Today we have Ryan Rowe. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing great, Meg. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm good too. I'm so excited to have you. This is going to be such a fun conversation. Yeah. So uh, I, I wanted to come on the podcast and talk a little bit about uh, ghost law. I know. <laughs> ghost law, which sounds hilarious. And you are, um, you're, you're a lawyer at this point, correct? Or are you so I'm not a lawyer yet. And okay. that's, I, I have to start this podcast by saying anything that I say is not legal advice. Don't sue me for malpractice because I'm not a lawyer yet. <laughs> that sounds pretty lawyerly. I think you're pretty close. You've got I'm, to be. I'm, I'm almost there. And then you guys can <laughs> sue me all you want. But and then we can right now, you. nothing I say is legal advice. <laughs> Noted. Nothing I say is legal <laughs> advice either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we're going to say I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm a second year law student right now at Villanova Law School. Um, and last year I was taking a property class. And usually, like, all these property cases are super boring. It's about, like, easements and contracts and things. But we had one case that we had to read called Stambovsky v. Ackley that was all about a haunted house. And a court literally had to decide, like, do you have to tell someone that your house is haunted before you sell it? And it goes all into, you know, ghosts and are they real? And <laughs> how real do we make laws about them? And so after reading that, I was like, this is awesome. I want to see if any other cases come up that are about ghosts. And so I just started doing some research and I found some pretty cool cases that are like, some of them are super old from like 1850. And a lot of them are even just very recent. Yeah, that's so cool. You did show me a little bit and I'm excited to talk about them. Um, but before we get into that, I always ask my guests the same question. And that is when it comes to the paranormal, are you more of a believer or are you more skeptical? I would say... What makes me believe it is the amount of stories that come out about mm -hmm. ghosts mm -hmm. from sources that are like have nothing to gain from ghost stories. I know uh, like I'm sure some people make up stuff, but like 
I, I I have to believe there's there's something going on when you hear so many stories, and I have been close friends with people who have like crazy ghost stories. I was, but I was talking about this with some friends the other day. Like, I I I am more inclined to believe in almost like demonic things mm-hmm. that are impersonating people mm-hmm. as uh, like uh, impersonating dead people as ghosts. And like haunting people, trying to strike fear into people, or or just communicate with people, I'm I'm more inclined to believe that than I am that there are like spirits of dead people talk trying to talk to us almost. Because so why? Only, <laughs> why do you think that is? <laughs> it's because like there's just too many dead people, mm-hmm, right? Like mm-hmm. there's in every house in in the world like someone has died there probably like probably in that specific house but like you know people die all the time so i'm just thinking like if everyone turns into a ghost when they die there'd be a lot of ghosts yeah there wouldn't even be a question of whether ghosts are real they're they're, they'd be everywhere right that's that's kind of my take i feel like maybe there there are like evil demonic presences that people mm-hmm. experience, but I'm not too sure that I'm willing to say like ghosts are real. It's so funny. Cause it's something we kind of talk about where like you're talking about ghost law, but I talk a lot about like ghost rules. So people have made <laughs> up all of these like rules for ghosts that we don't know if they're true or not. We've made them up. Um, and one of them is like the reason why ghosts stay. So like, I think the argument you would get from someone who believes in the paranormal, like I do, is that not every person that dies stays behind. And there's a lot of questions on why do some stay and why don't. And the main belief is unfinished business, but it could be anything, do you mm-hmm. know? Like I have a joke about what it could be like. Um, it's just interesting. So like, I totally agree. I think I, like, I've talked to my friend, I've talked to Alyssa. She used to be the co-host of the podcast about how like pretty much every, everywhere you go, would be riddled with ghosts if that was like every every house would be haunted so i definitely hear you i just think it's an interesting take i thought you were going to say something more like you have like a religious upbringing that supports that because that's like a big thing like my mom doesn't believe in ghosts but she believes in demons and i'm like all right <laughs> that is part <laughs> Whatever, of it mom. yeah yeah <laughs> but i do like your theory too what? people are they're just like no i'm i got i got things to do i'm not done yet yeah like, that's the whole like the unfinished business it's like i'm so angry my anger has kept me here despite like the laws of nature <laughs> is usually yeah. it you know yeah. um but yeah i do find that really interesting um it's kind of a bummer though like because demons are scary yeah. <laughs> right like don't you want something not horrifying <laughs> you would think yeah they're pretty scary yeah, yeah. I've only heard bad things. They're like really cool people to hang with. Yeah, there's not a lot of demons like pretending to be your mom because they just want to give you closure, right? <laughs> they're like <laughs> they have other motives for sure. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's really cool. Um, do you want to get into some of the cases that you brought? Yes. Okay. okay. So I I have four cases that I've researched extensively, uh, and I thought we could just go <laughs> you from are the so- oldest. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. You're the most prepared guest I feel like I've ever had. It's so funny. Like I'm, just I'm not gonna background. come on here half-assed. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you I'm research. Come, yeah, yeah. I'm Don't excited. show up to court with 
half a story. Right. You know, right, you right. Court, that makes sense. Knowing what you're talking about. Being so, prepared. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I have, uh, I'm just going to go through them in order from oldest to the most recent. Okay. So the first one I want to talk about was the murder of Laban Mercer. So this is a case from 1850 in uh, Wetzel County, Virginia. And so what happened was this guy, Laban, he was uh, charged with the murder of John Gamble. Sorry, I said the murder of Laban. It's the murder of a guy named John Gamble. Mm -hmm. And everyone pretty much knew that uh, Laban did this. John, uh, I think Laban owed Gamble a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And... On the day that John Gamble went missing, Gamble's body was found in the Ohio River. His boat was found just floating down the river. And Laban Mercer was seen around town just soaking wet. He had obviously just come from the river. But that's really bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of circumstantial evidence, though. Mm -hmm. There's no like concrete evidence. No one can say, I saw Laban do this. Mm-hmm. Nothing that can necessarily get the the guilty verdict beyond a reasonable doubt. So the town is kind of up in arms about this. They're still putting Laban on trial, but he's not likely to get a guilty verdict until this guy, John Hinman, comes forward and he says, so I was in the woods last night and a ghost came to me and told me that Laban killed John. And so now the town wants to put this guy on the stand and let him testify that a ghost told him that Laban is the murderer. Now the court, now this is just like a small town court in Virginia and like courts all the time, they really have to decide like, do we follow the law to the letter or do we follow the law pretty much, but like give in to public opinion mm-hmm. some too. And so the court said, like, obviously, if we let this guy come in and just say, like, a ghost told me something, first of all, that's crazy. But also, (laughs) it's hearsay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, like, there are literally laws that say you can't come into court and just say, someone told me something. It it has to come from the horse's mouth. Got it. That's the whole idea of of hearsay. So they came up with the idea of, we're going to let this, instead of letting this guy testify, we will let the ghost testify because then you're getting it straight from the horse's mouth. It's not hearsay. So they literally held a hearing where like the court is gathered. Everyone's there. The court, the lawyers, the, the people just watching from the balcony, they're all there waiting for this ghost to show up. The ghost doesn't show up. They move on with the trial. The guy gets acquitted and there's a not guilty (laughs) i wanted the ghost to show up i mean would that have been that that would have been been pretty cool and i feel like if they wanted to be fair they should have done it like in the woods yeah yeah ghost rules the ghost probably can't go there yeah yeah that's so funny and i bet you like being mercer was the guy on trial right yes he must have been like shitting his pants right now. <laughs> like, it's just about to happen to me right now. I'm gonna yeah. be tried by a ghost. <laughs> like that would be I'd be so scared. Cause like then it's like, oh wow. Um yeah. I'm so screwed. 
you know, yeah. I'm going to have to pay for this. At There's some like point. a 99% chance you're like, this is a, like, I got this in the bag, but that 1% of you that's like, this, this ghost might show up. There's like, a chance. That's, <laughs> that's a really, some... really scary 1%. Yeah. 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 Um, I feel like I've talked about a different case where like a mom had a dream that her daughter came to her and um, solved her murder that way. Like she told her how she died and Mm -hmm. it kind of opened up a little like historical context of like, sometimes people um, who wouldn't normally be listened to would say that a ghost told them in order to get ears on it because it's a lot more sensational yeah. so like if they can really get like the rumor mill like spinning about this ghost story then more often than not the police will actually react for them so sometimes in like like deep historical like 17 1800s you'll mm-hmm. hear of like these ghost stories but it's more often that like in the system that they were in they had more of a chance of of getting it investigated and being heard by telling a ghost story than just going to the police isn't that's that so interesting that's yeah it's like what's you know let's make it fun if you're yeah, gonna tell me you saw up. this guy murder like who cares who are you <laughs> yeah. but if yeah. you t- if i tell you a ghost told me that this guy got murdered then it's like all right we'll we'll check it out go on <laughs> yeah. listen. i want to see a ghost let's let's, let's check it out <laughs> yeah yeah um i just think that's like such a cool little piece of history but i do still believe it i do still believe in some cases that like if I was in that courtroom, if I was a juror, I'd be I'd be the one being like, five more minutes, guys. Five more minutes. It's going <laughs> to happen. You yeah. know? I really want to know, like, you know, this is in the 1850. I, I can't really know too much about what happened, but I really want to know, like, how long did they wait? Yeah. Yeah. How long did they wait? Not like, long they, enough. And also, like, how are you going to tell the ghost what time to show up? Right. You know, there's a lot. There's, there's a lot here that I feel like they should have you know, giving the ghost a little more chance to show up. <laughs> yeah. out no, I'm just like picturing the ghost. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying? Yeah. Put out a bench warrant for the ghost. Yeah. And then, then he's obligated by the law <laughs> to come in. Yeah. I just see him like running through the woods the second day. Like he shows up and he's like, what the fuck? It was yesterday. <laughs> God damn it. Dang it. <laughs> Time is so confusing. I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of those things, though, where if he showed up while the guy was in jail, I think they'd retry it, right? They'd have to. They'd Can have they do that? Try. They wouldn't? Can they retry? Yeah, <laughs> if a new witness if comes shows to light. Later? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's new evidence. They can all, yeah, they can retry it. That rocks. It's exculpatory. So if, okay, so this is lawyer questions now. Um, mm-hmm. So I know double jeopardy is a thing. Um, we do have some like Canadian listener, listeners. So double jeopardy means like you can't be tried for the same case multiple times, but mm-hmm. like like tried and then acquitted. Um, does that go out the window if there's new evidence? So like say you're tried and then like there's like a knife found in a body and it's very clearly you did it. Can you try them then? I am not totally sure, but I think so. If it's, it's I'm sorry, more, it's more <laughs> of a like if you are a, if you're found guilty the first time, you can definitely get a, a retrial if new evidence comes forward that's that makes sense exculpatory. That's it's proving like as soon as DNA evidence became a thing, then all these people that said it wasn't them, they started 
hiring lawyers to look into DNA. And then, of course, you know, a lot of people, they, they found out that it wasn't them. And in That's fact, they wild. found out it was someone else. Yeah. But uh, it's very, very rare that someone gets acquitted and then new evidence comes forward and then they get put on trial a second time uh, where they because new evidence comes out that they actually did it. Mm, it's it's okay. very, very rare. I didn't even consider that too. That must've been a rough, like when DNA was discovered it, I bet you it was like a very exciting time, but at the same time, like, man, it must've been rough to be a lawyer. <laughs> like you must've like, people must've been so, I mean, it's good. You're busy, but like, I think about it in terms of like, I work for an insurance company and sometimes like something will change, like the legality of something or just the way we want to conduct like our whatever. And it just sucks for a year. You're just overwhelmed by angry people. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. As a lawyer, you're like, listen, I know like there's a lot at stake for you, but like, I don't want to do this work. This, <laughs> yeah. is, this is a lot. This is it's a so lot of paperwork papers. for me, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. come on. I get it's your life. No, that's terrible. That's why I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. See, I'm not, I'm in the right profession. It's not being a lawyer. Anyway, <laughs> that's a really interesting case. Yeah. It is a pretty cool case. That was from night from 1850. And uh, the next one I want to talk about is the one that we read about. Yeah. In law school. It's the one that if you're a lawyer, you definitely learned about this in law school. Like it's, it's a very simply because it's a fun case. Like it's in every property and contract textbook in every law school. So it's Stambovsky v. Ackley. This was from 1991. What happened is Helen Ackley, she owned a house in Nyack, New York, and she claims that there were three ghosts that lived in that house. Mm -hmm. uh, she says that two of them were a married couple, and one of them was like a Navy sailor from the Revolutionary War. Uh, but she claims that these ghosts were very friendly ghosts to her and her family. Uh, she claims that like one of them would wake up her daughter before school every day by shaking her bed. And then uh, on the day before spring break, the daughter, her name is Cynthia, like yelled out to the ghost saying, I'm on spring break, please don't wake me up. And then mm -hmm. for that week, they didn't wake her up. And <laughs> these ghosts would leave her little gifts. They'd leave her like rings and coins. Uh, the only time that I saw that... Uh, there was an unfriendly um, interaction with the ghosts was when Cynthia was older, she had a fiance who was staying at their house once. And the, the wife ghost came in while they were sleeping, lied down next to the fiance, just stared at him for a few minutes while he was like freaking out and just frozen scared. And then she left. And so their theory is like they were they were friends with the family. And as soon as this new guy showed up, they just had to, like, do their due diligence mm, and, like, mm -hmm. you know, tell him, like, don't screw with Cynthia because, you know, we'll 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 get you. <laughs> Threaten him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, That's pretty cool. And so. Cool. Uh, so in 1990. Helen Ackley tries to sell this house. She sells it to a guy named Jeffrey Stambovsky who lives in New York city. And she doesn't tell him anything about these ghosts. Mm -hmm. And so what the law says is in, in most jurisdictions, 
they have what's called caveat emptor, which is Latin for uh, buyer beware. Like you don't have a, as a seller of a house, you don't have to disclose much about your house. What happens is as the sell, as the buyer, you are responsible for hiring an inspector to go into the house and look for things that you may not know about. Things like, you know, if the plumbing is terrible, if there's a lot of water damage, if there's termites, things like that. Because like, even as a seller, I might be selling my house and I have no idea if right, there's termite right. damage. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's, it's up to the buyer to do the due diligence and to figure out what the value of the house is. And she didn't tell him about the ghosts. They sign a contract, uh, but no money has been exchanged yet. Later on, he finds out about these ghosts because years earlier, she had like been putting out stories in the local newspaper about the ghosts. Even she put out an article in Reader's Digest about how her house was haunted. And like it, the house was also part of this five house, like Nyack haunted house tour. Mm -hmm. So there would be walking tours, like going and seeing the house. And none of this was told to him. Once he finds this out, he has a meeting with Helen and he, she tells him all about these ghosts. And when it's closing time, uh, he doesn't show up to the house closing. And so now because he signed a contract, he now owes her as like the, the down payment mm. for the house by contract. So he sues her to try to rescind the contract saying, you should have told me about this, these ghosts, you had a duty to disclose it and you didn't tell me. And so this contract is null and void. They go to court. Uh, I thought, I forget what happens at the trial level, but it gets appealed. He, I'm guessing he loses. So mm -hmm. he takes it to the court of appeals and basically how the court ruled was that first off, um, this does matter. Like this is something that we have to consider because it does, it does affect the value of the house, especially because like you put it in the newspaper that your house is haunted. So mm. that really affects how much your house is worth. So we can't just brush it off because it's about ghosts. And second was no inspector of a house is going to find that there's ghosts. You know, any good inspector is going to find out if there's termite damage or plumbing mm. or whatever, but no one's reasonably going to find ghosts in the house. So you had the duty to tell him about those ghosts because it wasn't on him to find out himself. So they let him rescind the contract and she didn't get to sell him his house or her house. I'm getting so mad at these cases. <laughs> I disagree with the last one and I disagree with this one. No. Also, courts are no. really discriminatory towards ghosts. They and are. Really upsetting. Yeah, it's really disappointing because I think I think it's both. I think the, the fact that he found out so quickly before buying the house is proof that he had access to the information all along. The yeah. same thing <laughs> that is that he's arguing is the same due diligence he should have done. That's a, yeah, there's definitely an argument to be made for that. Cause that's like, what makes me mad. <laughs> like you can't say you were never going to find out when you found out. Yeah. 
I mean, this was 1991. So like, did we have Google back then? Could it, no. could someone reasonably <laughs> just like, when I was born, Google the house? Have, no, <laughs> you had to like go to the it. library and like, look through the clips. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. But then how this? did he find it in the first place? I don't know. I don't think we know, but I mean, I'm sure word just got around to him. I'm sure he didn't yeah. like leave it somewhere. I'm sure someone just told him, like, you know, the house is haunted, right? And he's like, what? Are you serious? The one thing I, I think the realtor, both realtors should have known, like his real, if, he, if they're selling property in the area, they probably should have known. The one thing I do think would lower the value is like, no one loves a tour coming to your house every day or every, you know, like that. I could yeah. see being like, like, I don't mind the ghost, but I do care about people like, taking pictures outside of my house on like random Wednesdays that would freak me out <laughs> you know so yeah. I get that part of it but at the same time I think that's I think it's garbage I think she should have been able to keep her I'm so biased I mean, <laughs> again there, I couldn't be in law <laughs> there was a strong dissent to this case so like when, mm. a, when a case goes on appeal then there's multiple judges it's, it's like the Supreme Court the Supreme Court has nine judges so when they hear a case they all vote on it. And then if there's whoever is in the majority, like if the vote is five to four, the five judges, they write the opinion, they, their, uh, their decision wins, but then the other four, they will still write a dissent saying Mm -hmm. why the majority is wrong. And in this case, there was a dissent and they basically wrote like, this is stupid. Ghosts have no value. Uh, they have no effect on the value of a house, not mm-hmm. anything, at least legally. So it, it makes no sense to, you know, null a contract because of ghosts. So it kind of sounds like they actually were being superstitious by, by accepting it. Right. I think, yeah. Uh, you could, yeah, you could say that. The, the most, <laughs> like, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily a, a vote of like, are ghosts real or not? But yeah the, it was <laughs> but it was the most famous line in the opinion was as a matter of law this house is haunted yes so that's awesome really by law is a haunted house that's so what's so interesting to me about that is that her article was proof enough like they it wasn't on him to show proof of like it, they they had no proof that ghosts were actually there it was mm-hmm. just what she said in an article one time. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, it's just interesting to me that you can get away with that with with just a story she told one time. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah the 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 judge didn't need to see any proof of the actual ghosts. He was just like, yeah, you. I mean, I guess it's sort of like if you made up stories about your house. I don't know what's something comparable to being haunted. If you like made up stories that your house was a meth lab, even though it wasn't like the story of it is what's going to bring down the value. Yeah, that's true. If you took out a page in reader's digest about how your house was a meth lab, (laughs) then yeah, you probably got to tell the people. Not a good look. Yeah. (laughs) You got to warn people when you sell it to them. Hey, I'm Danny. I'm John. We host Blanket and Covers, the show where we cover the covers. Have you ever thought about 
trying to find every single version of Angel of the Morning or Careless Whispers. That's an us thing, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that's something that you think you would be into, I think you should definitely check out our show. We think that by listening to every version of a song that has ever been done can like gain something new. Yeah. Each week we do a, a deep dive through a band's catalog or one specific song. Season one is out there now. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Um, I don't well, know. Don't, I'm sad. Don't feel too sad. bad for Helen. Cause right afterwards, like this, this case got publicity all over the country and as soon as the case was closed and she couldn't sell this guy, uh, this house to this guy, like she got dozens of offers for the house and she sold it for a lot of money and she moved to Florida. Oh, good. Okay. That makes me feel better. Cause like I read the article, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to read like one excerpt in a minute, but it was just such a cute, it was so like whimsical and like the ghosts were nice. And I'm like, man, you can't just be creative and do stuff like people will get you for it. Like, like it's not like I'd understand also this is and this is getting into the weeds. I'm sure the judges didn't even hear this, but I'd understand I live in a haunted house where people were murdered and I'm getting scratches on my back and there's flies in all the windowsills and I'm scared. You know, like I understand if she told a story like that where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, that's really going to keep people away. But this was like we we cohabitate and they wake my daughter up and they you know what i mean yeah. like it was like very sweet and i was like damn even the nice ghosts if if anything it raises the value of the house that's what i'm saying i mean you okay friendly you get free friends <laughs> yeah free friends yeah. um and they're i mean they're supportive so like here i'm gonna read this one i'm not gonna read the whole article but there's there's one where she sees a full body apparition so i just i have to read it if that's okay, okay. with you yes um so this is called our haunted house on the hudson it's by helen herdman ackley one day i attacked the battleship gray living room paint time was at hand and i was perched atop an eight foot step ladder when i felt watching eyes The feeling was not unfamiliar, but it was still a bit unnerving. I knew George, her husband, was at work and the kids were in school. I turned my head. The room was empty. I started working again, but the eerie feeling persisted. So I spoke out loud. I hope you like the color. Hope you're pleased with what we're doing to the house. It certainly must have been lovely when it was first built. As I talked, I kept painting, but I felt the energy of those eyes focused on the nape of my neck. I looked over my shoulder again. He sat there in midair, smiling at me from in front of the cold fireplace. Hands clasped around his crossed knees. He was nodding and rocking. He faded slowly, still smiling, and was gone. But I knew that he approved of the work our family had lavished on our mutual home. What did he look like? He was the most cheerful and solid-looking little person I've ever seen. A cap of white hair framed his round, apple-cheeked face, and there were piercing blue eyes under the thick white eyebrows. His light Blue's suit was immaculate, and the cuffs of the short unbuttoned jacket turned back over ruffles at his wrist. A white ruffled stock showed at his throat below breeches cut to his kneecaps. He wore white hose and shiny black pumps with buckles. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, isn't that, doesn't that rule? Yeah, if, if I ever become a ghost, that's the kind of ghost I want to be. Right. It's just the one that kind of like sits in a rocking chair and watches you guys and then just like nods and like yeah. shows approval for things. Yeah. Or it's like, do you like this? And it's like, yeah, good job. 
I still yeah. have a say. That's nice. <laughs> That's the, a really encouraging ghost. Her description of him makes him sound like the sweetest man. Just like yeah. little red apple cheeks and like, I don't know. And that's why I was sad too. I was like, oh, her friendly ghost is getting her. I'm too emotionally attached. I grew up in a haunted house too. So like my podcast will probably keep my parents from ever selling their house. <laughs> <laughs> so this is personal. Yeah. Yeah. This is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're screwed. Like by law. I'm you're... lessening the value every single time I make one of these. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, you know, what are you going to do? It's like, it's fun to share your experiences. So I just feel bad she got in. Well, like you said, she made it out fine. The ghosts yeah. are fine. I would love to see what it's up to now. I didn't look into that. Like if if people just live there. Um, it's also noted that it's in Nyack, which is right, right near Sleepy Hollow, which is um, where uh, the Headless Horseman story came from. Oh, I don't yeah, know it's it's a really spooky place. So like during October, Sleepy Hollow is like they have this thing called Pumpkin Blaze where they have all these like carved pumpkins and things like that. Mm-hmm. I guess in honor of like the Headless Horseman and things like that. But um, it's a spooky town, so it's funny that that it took place there. It's known for being kind of like old and haunted. Is it like some old navy town or something with a bunch of dead soldiers? Is that why? Oh, I'm not sure the On type the of hauntings, but I feel like that's uh, pretty accurate. Yeah, I do think it was. Um, it's where is it? I know they have like she talks about the Tappan Zee Bridge. Like I know they're by water. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where it always goes down, man. Anywhere where there was like some naval battle in 1812, there's ghosts, man. Haunted forever. <laughs> yeah, those ghosts, those <laughs> sailor ghosts, they. They love sticking around. They stick around. They have a lot of unfinished business for yeah, sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, so the third case I looked at was probably my my favorite one of these four uh, because it has to do with juror misbehavior. So this oh is something I was learning about recently in, in law school, which is there. So the thing about being on a jury is that it can be great, but it can also suck. Like it, it all depends on what kind of case you get assigned. So like, you know, I, I've worked in courtrooms before where like, you know, if you get put on a jury for a day and it's just some small case, like it's actually kind of fun. You just, you sit there for a day and you listen to the opening and closing arguments. You listen to some witnesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and then at the end of the day, you make a judgment and you go home. It's pretty simple, but like with high profile cases, a lot of it is not as exciting as you think it would be. Like, it's not like law and order or better call Saul or something. It's, it's like looking at maps of things. It's Mm. like, there's very few moments that are like the shows where like, it's actually really exciting. And if the, if the defendant isn't going to get on the stand, then it's probably going to be boring the whole time. So the thing is like, especially if a jury gets sequestered, which is Mm -hmm. where like they're put in a hotel and they're basically closed to the outside world for fear of there being any sort of bias or or outside influence on them. Like being a juror sucks. And so all the time, there's so many cases where jurors misbehave and, and 
you know, there might be a verdict, uh, a guilty verdict, and then someone tries to appeal it because they found out that the jury was like just getting hammered all the time. What like <laughs> literally doing cocaine like during the lunch break. That's hilarious. And, yeah, there's so many cases. I like, mean, terrible, awful. That's terrible, not what you want for but a jury, but but also hilarious. I would love to party like that, like with a jury. Anyway, I mean, if you shit. got held up in a hotel room with 11 other people and you can't talk to anyone else, you can't yeah. like on your phone and look at the news or anything, like, of course you're going to do coke. Yeah, like, that's the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But <laughs> so the law in America, and, and I'm sure it's it's pretty much the same everywhere else, is basically we don't like to scrutinize what juries do. We don't like what happens in the jury room stays in the jury room. Mm. Uh, we Because it's like you don't want people being afraid of being on a jury. So if a guy gets convicted and then he finds out that his jury sucked and was just like goofing off the whole time, sleeping in the courtroom and no one knew about it. They don't want people uh, like they don't want people scrutinizing the jury after each guilty verdict, because right. then like no matter what, every time you're on a jury, you know, people are going to be watching you like a hawk. People are going to be accusing you of things. And so the law says like, we do not want we don't want people getting retrialed because the jury was terrible. The only way we're going to let that happen is, is if there was a clear outside influence, mm -hmm. if maybe if people were threatening jurors or if people, if the jurors were like watching the news and being influenced by what people were saying outside of the court or, uh, or if there's clear racial bias, that's something that the law says that like we have to protect or, or like we will give you a retrial if there's a clear racial bias that we didn't know about. Um, but in this case, what happened was this was actually in London, but this guy named Stephen Young was on trial for a murder. He was accused of murdering Harry and Nicola Fuller and who were found in their home, they had both been shot multiple times. And the first jury that heard this trial, it's like there was a lot of evidence against Stephen Young. And like like any murder trial, it's a gruesome process. Like it's also, it's not fun to hear jury, to hear murder trials because you're just going to listen to witnesses tell you horrifying things and you're going to see horrifying things so in the first jury, one of the jurors just told the judge, like, I can't do this. This is too hard for me. I, I, I quit, essentially. So that judge said, that's okay. I, I understand. We'll get a, a completely new jury and we'll just retry the case, which is yeah. already super annoying for all the lawyers and the, the court staff and everyone and the victims' families. Because mm -hmm. they're like, we just want to get this over with and, right. and help our lives. But they what year is this? Did you say this was in 1994? I forgot. 94. Okay, got it. Got it. Yeah, okay, this was not that long ago. But uh, so they they do a retrial with a new jury, and then that jury convicts Stephen Young. So everyone's like relieved that finally this is over. We can move on. Mm -hmm. um, Stephen Young gets sentenced. 
uh, to life in prison. And then a month after the trial was completed, a new story comes out and the headline is murder jury's Ouija board verdict. (laughs) Oh no. So literally (laughs) towards the end of the trial, four members of this sequestered jury. So they were, they were held up in a hotel room this whole time. Four of the jurors got together and they made a Ouija board out of like a piece of paper and a wine glass. <laughs> it still works. That's the fun so, of Ouija boards. Yeah. So <laughs> they made this Ouija board and they get in contact with the um, ghost of Harry Fuller, the man who was murdered. And so they ask the spirit, like, who are you? It spells out Harry Fuller. They ask it, um, who killed you? And it spells out Stephen Young done it. And then they ask, how did he do it? And then it spells out shot. And then they ask, what should we do? And then it spells out vote guilty. And it was shortly after that, that they deliberated and they gave him a guilty verdict. But now it's in the newspaper all over England that this this uh, group of jurors consulted a Ouija board before giving their verdict. So now, like, there's no way you can't give someone a retrial after that. That's ex- like as far as an outside influence. I guess ghosts count as outside influences. And yeah. They so they had to retry him all over again. This guy got tried basically three times. And finally, Bugs. after the third one, he got convicted and they they haven't retried the case since. <laughs> well, that's good until we find out uh, another thing the jury was doing. But that's, um, I mean, even as someone that believes in ghosts, the, uh, the possibility of someone moving around is like, the planchette is so of high. Course. Like, I want to believe it's ghosts. I always want to believe it's ghosts. But like, yeah. Ghosts, I feel like ghost investigators try to get things like this their entire career, right? Like they try to get like responses that are that accurate and like to the point and they don't do it or like the, it'll be once in like 10 years. So even though I do believe ghosts in this case, I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like yeah. This no, is probably a the person. Guy whose idea it was, was like 23 and you're being held in a hotel room with 11 people, uh, for you know weeks months sometimes so you know what happened like these guys just got bored they were were talking one night and they were like wouldn't it be funny if we made a ouija board and talked to the to the victims Mm. and they did it and they probably themselves probably didn't even like think much of it it probably didn't actually influence them but like someone told a reporter and then that's it you know you gotta give them a retrial that sucks and it sucks that it leaks too. Yeah. It's crazy when that stuff gets out because it's like, who told? Like, yeah. come on. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, the last one I have is from very recent. This is from 2017. This is about the Conjuring movies. Have you seen any of those ones? I've just been watching all of them because a new one came out recently. So, yes, I, they're really, have you seen them? I haven't seen, they're, uh, they're there, there's three of them, right? Or are there four? <laughs> Because there's uh, there's there's the first two and then there's Annabelle. Oh, there's so a okay. So too. conjuring themselves, I think there's three, but there's okay. so many different like like there's like the nun and there's like Annabelle. 
yeah there's things all over the place yeah yeah so maybe you can might be able to speak more to this to this because i haven't seen those movies i mm-hmm. should watch them i want to but it's i guess it's about these two ghost investigators the warrens mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right yeah so apparently in 1978 so these these this couple the warrens i guess it's ed and lorraine warren yes they yeah. are famous for going out to these haunted houses and the haunted places and investigating ghosts and trying to help these families that are suffering from the 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 paranormal activity that they're experiencing and so they signed a contract with a guy named brittle to write a book in 1978 this guy brittle wrote a book called the demonologist and it was basically just detailing all of these investigations that the warrens have done and it was a, a very popular book and then in 1997 the warrens signed a contract with warner brothers in hollywood saying we're giving you the rights to make movies about our stories but they had already given the rights to the stories to this guy brittle like 20 years earlier so warner brothers they just held on to this these rights for a while and then in the 2000s they started making these movies and now Brittle is pissed because he has the rights to these movies. He sues them for, I think it's like, like $9 million. No, no, it's more than that. It's like 90 million. I think it was like way more. If I remember, wasn't it like 900 million? Does that sound? I think you're right. I think it's $900 million. Yeah. That's what he sued for, which is absurd. That doesn't even sound like real, like a real amount of money. <laughs> I think, I think it's literally like the gross amount that they made for mm-hmm. all of the conjuring movies it is like yeah. yeah it's a crazy amount but he sued them for that and so how warner brothers reacted was they said no we're allowed to make these movies because they're based on historical events because the fair use doctrine says that if something is based on a historical event we don't need a copyright to make movies about it it's like no one owns the rights to stories about world war ii or something Mm. anyone can make a world war ii movie you know that that doesn't belong to anyone so that's what they claimed they said it's based on historical facts so you can't sue us and then brittle comes back and he says well it's about ghosts it's about ghosts and witches so whether he believed the warrens or not he's gonna say no this is works of fiction like i'm I own this right because it's 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 a made up story. It's an original work by me and the Warrens. And so obviously it's not historical fact. And if you want to claim that it's historical fact, you have to prove that these things actually happened. You have to prove that this house was haunted and that mm. the ghosts and, and witches are real. And that strategy worked because Warner Brothers was just like, well, I guess we're up a creek here like we we're not like we're not going to spend all this money uh you know trying to prove that ghosts are real and god, then i wish they had oh my god <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah, sorry like, we got to call in we got to call in the big guns call meg gets yeah, <laughs> yeah her, I'll, I'll go prove in. it i think this one's really interesting so they ended up how did it end up so they ended up settling the case i don't know how much they settled it for but um it wasn't 900 million dollars but they they paid the guy and it didn't actually go all the way to trial Mm -hmm. so they didn't have to 
you know, try to prove that ghosts were real. But it would have been really cool if they did. That's what I'm saying. To like to see see, I would watch a movie about that. Like if they made like a dot like us, like who is it? The um what it see who is the The Warner Brothers? Warner Brothers. Brothers. Having them like you know, (laughs) hire ghost investigators. But what's interesting to me is Ed and Lorraine Warren were very, very famous investigators. So it follows the movies like Lorraine was psychic and would like do the psychic parts and then Ed would help and do the other stuff. Mm -hmm. So the story of them going to houses and using their abilities is true. And the movies particularly go to their higher profile cases. So whether or not the hauntings happened them going to these places and seeing things and interacting with those families did occur. So this is another one that's interesting to me because I'm like, how, how far do they have to go? Like it's, it is their life. They did do it. Like it's not completely made up. Mm -hmm. So why just because Warner brothers included ghosts, it's, it's gotta be all proven. That is, that is a good question. I'm sure they at least probably tried to say like listen it's mostly historical but like, like yeah we it's took, real people yeah <laughs> like, the, like, we can prove to you cases. that ed and lorraine went to these houses and helped these people and they have picture and audio yeah but like every historical movie that makes a movie about a historical event they take liberties yeah right you know they they hyperbolize things they add things that weren't there and like mm-hmm. no one's gonna sue them for that mm-hmm. so yeah i want that that is interesting i bet you they probably at least tried i'm to sure they the tried it but. i bet you at the end of the day and this happens with insurance too sometimes it was probably less money whatever they settled than yeah. what the court would be at the end of the day because i think if they pushed it i do think they'd have some ground to stand on um Cause these are like, these are like extremely famous hauntings that like have a lot of like photos and audio and things like that. Um, but sometimes it's just not even worth it because court will drag on and then. Exactly. The You're Warner brothers. <laughs> you don't care. And this guy is just some, you know, low level author. Like he's, he doesn't want $900 million. He wants, a million dollars we'll give him a million dollars and this guy probably he's not willing to hire the lawyers to yeah. court with us you know so yeah let's just give him give him what he wants good for him getting his bag though yes. <laughs> like he made it you know he didn't write a good book but <laughs> yeah. he figured it out well it might be good i don't know that's the thing that i like i was annoyed by it's like your book didn't like i could see it more if the book had done well mm-hmm. i'd almost be like yeah that makes more sense but like no one knew yeah like, you didn't write the great gatsby yeah like, <laughs> no one's mark, like mark twain yeah referencing your book when they talk about ed and lorraine Moore. like i know i've never heard of this as someone in the paranormal community who's done full episodes on the warrens like i've never heard of this guy so i'm like all right and like it's also kind of like weird why would they sign their rights over twice do they forget like what happens there i I, yeah they probably forgot they probably they probably thought like what's brittle gonna do about it you know Mm. 
Yeah. yeah. Sometimes people are just like, <laughs> sue, I'll sue sign them. two contracts because what's the first guy going to do? He's not going to sue us for $900 million, probably. <laughs> Let's try. It's also like books versus movies. Like is a script. I don't know. That's, oh. This is all so tough. I don't understand law at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because to me, I'm like, I think I've disagreed yeah, I with mean, every single case. <laughs> <laughs> that's Yeah. I mean, it's totally okay to disagree with judges. Judges are not right a lot of the time. Sorry, I'm so difficult. I feel like, <laughs> like I brought you on just so I could be like, law is stupid. You should. I'm not, not going to be it. like, you don't understand, Meg. It's the law. Okay. Have some respect for for justice. No, to me, no justice has been served tonight. <laughs> No, that's so funny though. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. Cause like the Warrens, I feel like had to be because I'm trying to remember. They did their cases in like the 70s. So like by the 90s, they had to be so old anyway. They're probably yeah. like, F it. Like, who cares? Yeah. Sign this. Yeah, they were the Warner Brothers probably offered them an obscene amount of money. And they're like, we're not gonna go to the trouble to find out how solid this contract is we're just gonna take the money we're old do you think yes. and i again i keep asking you law questions that it's totally fine like if you're not sure but like do you think if they were alive um warner brothers would have like gone after them um i don't know if they would have a leg to stand on because they signed a contract with them and they i'm sure like it's not on warner brother it's not on them to tell warner brothers like we've already signed the rights away really? maybe it would be i don't know yeah I, I don't, but i don't think warner brothers could sue them for for signing their contract mm. interesting because was... i think they could rescind maybe they could rescind the contract but like they still made the movies. Mm -hmm. They still have them. Like it'd probably be. Yeah. 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 The easiest path was just giving that guy that money for sure. Like. Yeah. But nothing I say is legal advice. So <laughs> don't start signing contracts with Warner Brothers thinking <laughs> Ryan said I could do it and <laughs> no problems will arise from it. I just want to start stealing rights, to, not stealing, but signing rights with people so I can just have it in case any <laughs> stories get made yeah every once in a while i think about my life and i think how much would my life story be worth and <laughs> i probably if, if if a studio came to me and said ryan we're willing to sell your rights or we're, we're willing to buy you like the right to your story for like five hundred dollars i'd be like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool with that. I don't think anything crazy is going to happen in my life that's going to make it much more worth than that. That's so funny. And I need the 500. Like betting on yourself. I think that's probably what they did. And then they bet wrong. Yeah, totally. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, th I You said 500. And for me, like personally, I was like, that's kind of steep. <laughs> but at the same time, you're talking about like your future too. Yeah, oh, I could I sell die. it for a lot more banking on the, or I could, I could hold out, you know, yeah, and wait until, you know, I'm, you know, for sure, 
the best lawyer in the whole world or or the worst one because that's a funny story too i'm sure (laughs) oh (laughs) all you need is one case like either one really good one or one really bad one and then you're famous forever yeah like the kardashians right you could be the next kardashian well the next rob kardashian yeah Yeah, that's a great (laughs) person to aspire to (laughs) i mean no (laughs) probably not (laughs) i don't know any of actual any good like famous lawyers that's another podcast. Okay, we don't we don't do it for the fame. <laughs> do it because we love the law, and because we love America and the Constitution. Wow, that's really noble. Thank you. <laughs> do you know what type of law you're going into? I am looking into criminal defense. That's my that's my gig so far. Criminal, I oh man, so you're defending the criminals. I'm defending the alleged criminals. Yes. <laughs> Even yeah, you just I, uh, saying that makes me so mad. I, um, this so this summer I uh, I worked for the public defender's office in Bucks County, and that was okay. really I, I really enjoyed that. We we basically we um, represent people who can't afford lawyers. Oh, and okay. Who are being charged with crimes, and I've really really enjoyed that. So I'm going to nice. start working for the Chester County public defenders in the spring. And if I could end up being a public defender after I graduate, that would be awesome because it's just it's really fulfilling work just to help people that need it that need it most. And and that's it's, awesome. You know, criminal law is so much more fun than property law and contracts. I can only imagine. Yeah. Corporate stuff. Yeah. When I was thinking of criminal defense, I was thinking of the my only experience with that is listening to the first 48 yeah and every time i hear the criminal defense lawyers i'm like oh these guys these guys guys again (laughs) yeah but that's not you you're would you do murder sorry this is not about paranormal but we're wrapping up here so (laughs) yeah i i would absolutely try a murder case i feel like some people have asked me like would you pick and choose your your cases and i feel like if you're going to do criminal defense you you should be willing to to represent anyone because mm-hmm. the whole point is like you everyone deserves a defense everyone by yeah. the constitution is guaranteed a, a zealous defense because that's what makes the justice system fair if that's mm-hmm. everyone has rights that need to be protected and if we start picking and choosing who whose rights get to be protected then then really in essentially no one's rights are protected. So that's mm-hmm. why you are owed a good defense no matter what. That's awesome. And I totally agree. I do I do think they should have a good defense. It's just hard it's hard to listen to on first 48. Because <laughs> sure. I'm biased. They would never have me on a jury. I'll be like, look at my podcast listening history. Yeah. You don't want me here. You'd be the juror who's getting plastered in the hotel room. <laughs> every night <laughs> with the other Gigi. 11 <laughs> i'd be the one drunk at trial yelling objection it's yeah. like you can't do that that's not your <laughs> stop <laughs> doing that it's like well you better object they're whatever uh badgering i don't know any of the other ones i just know <laughs> i just know that one um but yeah aside from almost being a, a wonderful criminal defense lawyer um, you are a comedian and you run a ton of really fun shows. One called Would I Lie to You, which I love because I don't normally lie, but it's so much fun. Do you want to describe the show a little bit? 
Yeah. So uh, I started a live show in Philly called Would I Lie to You? And it is based on a British TV game show called Would I Lie to You? And I, <laughs> I completely stole the name and the concept for the show. But it is, it's super, super fun. <laughs> uh, basically, we have two teams of comedians and each comedian gets a turn where they will tell a story that's either a true story from their lives or a a fake story that I made up that they've never seen before. And either way, they just have to defend it. So like the other team will ask them all these questions about their story and they just have to, if it's, if it's made up, they just have to make up answers about the story. And mm-hmm. you'd be surprised at how bad people are at telling whether people are lying. Like it's, it's, inc- it's amazing. It's, it's so hard because there's like layers, right? Cause you're like, okay, they could be lying to me. Well, cause you're trying to figure out if they're lying or if they're telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So when they're telling the truth, sometimes they'll act like they're lying and that's what fucks you up. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not when they're lying, lying. It's when it's like, oh, are you pausing and getting this wrong on purpose or on accident? You know? Yeah. It's, but super it's really fun. fun. The audience gets really into it. Like the the best part for me is when they reveal whether they're telling the truth or lie. And I hear the audience like go, ah, and like then (laughs) to each other, like, I totally knew it. I knew he was lying the whole time. All that, like (laughs) that for me is is the best part. So it's a really fun show. And uh, we did it with the Philly Improv Theater for a long time. And now they've taken a break from doing shows. So we're going to bring it back very soon uh, Mm -hmm. at another theater in Philly. And yeah. so I'm very excited about that. I That's also awesome. have a stand-up show coming up in Westchester, PA, where I'm from. Uh, that's going to be on October 14th. That's a Saturday night at 8 p.m. at Turk's Head Cafe. Ooh, it's a really nice cafe. Nice. That'll be a free show. So uh, come on out, and we'll probably be doing multiple shows at that cafe uh, after that. Very cool. And where can people find you just so they can like keep track of, of other shows that you might have? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at ryanrow.pdf. <laughs> Sorry, I just realized that's funny because yeah. you're like a lawyer. That's yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um and thank you this was really really informative and interesting um it's really fun to mix like the paranormal with other like interests that people have i just think that's always super cool so i'm glad we got to do that today i really appreciate it of course thank you meg real chills is produced by meg getz and Alyssa chaskowski the show is edited by Dan Getz, theme music by Sam Williamson, and artwork by Buffy the Design Slayer. Subscribe where you get podcasts and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Real Chills Podcast. Slide into those DMs with your true scary stories. Real Chills Podcast is a member of the Wasted Robot Network. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information, and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts.